0: Welcome to the Board Game Community Show, the podcast where we get to know people throughout the board game community. I'm your host, Riley Stock, and today we've got a game designer that I think this is the first time I've ever actually gotten to play the game before we've chatted, Pearl Ho.
1: Hey, Riley. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) (laughs) We got to play your game, Cake of Doom, at Protocon Online. And it was very entertaining. I thought it was very fun and had some cute illustrations, some good artwork, and, and it was good. I liked it.
1: Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, it was really fun to come get the game played um, to, by two groups as well and Protocon Online. Uh, it was great. Also, met some nice designers, uh, played two other games. So, really enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for organizing it.
0: Yeah, it was fun. Well, mainly that was Dustin Dowdle from OddFox Games. I just helps with some things. (laughs) Unfortunately, yeah, thank you. (laughs) I shouldn't dismiss my part in it, I guess. Yeah, I have a habit of doing that. Yesterday, somebody tried to talk to me about my game that I'm working on, and I was like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm working on it. it you know, like, I, I get so bashful talking about my own game to people sometimes.
1: I know what you mean. I feel the same because this is actually the first game I've designed as well. So I keep feeling like I'm an imposter. I keep going like, yeah, no, it's just, I'm just making it up. And <laughs> people to tell you that sometimes. No, you're, you're deciding this. You've worked on it. You are a designer. No, don't downplay yourself.
0: exactly like I tell other people that all the time like you designed a game it's an awesome game like don't downplay it and then I just need to apply that to myself as well (laughs) easier said than done I guess
1: exactly
0: well let's start from how you got into the board game scene what got you started playing board games
1: I think what really started was when I was in university. So before that, I sort of, you know, I played Monopoly. I played some card games with a family on vacation, that sort of thing. Uh, and then when I went to university, I started playing Contract Bridge, so the card game. And the group I was playing with, I also really into board games. Uh, I guess it's a while ago. This is a time where it's just quite a nerdy thing to do still, but they sort of got me into it. Uh, we started playing more sort of, Euro-type games, like uh, Power Grid, which is still a favorite. Uh, We also play a lot of social deduction games, you know, like Werewolf or Killer. And it sort of snowballed from there.
0: That's how it always is. Something just sparks with you, and then you just build, 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 build. And then all of a sudden you've got a huge stack of games that never get played. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's like, a, it's like addictive, you know, but in a yeah. good way.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the best addiction you can have, probably.
1: Probably. S- Except, I remember- I will- what? As you said, I still remember the the longest I've ever played in a role, I think, is when um we went to a different university to play bridge. Uh, so we had to take a train there. On the way up the train, we played uh, werewolf. We got there, played some bridge stayed at night, played some more board games at night, got up, play more bridge uh, because we were young and didn't need sleep. And that was probably, what, 48 hours of playing games and stuff?
0: Wow. Oh, that's like a dream for me. Yeah. So what about, what's your favorite board game?
1: Oh, I hate that question. It's so tough to answer. I to no. <laughs> no. I mean, I'll- you
0: don't okay. have to pick one. You, can, you could do like two or three if, it, if it's too tough.
1: Yeah, two or three it is. Um, so Power Grid's still a personal favorite, I think just because it was the first Euro I played and I was so mind-blowing. Like, it felt so elegant with the way you know you adjust the play position, so it's a catch-up, which is not that uncommon, right? But it's the first time you see it, you know? It's like your first love sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I really like Resistance as a social deduction game because it's sort of got an extra edge, I guess, on Werewolf. Um a little bit more structured, but still really fun. Uh, Bites is my favorite Kickstarter game. Um, don't know if you have you have you seen that one? I haven't. Well, it's really it's a bit different, which is why I like it. But it's still simple; it needs to get to the table. So, what you do is there are three ants, uh, like the insect, and then you lay out sort of these uh, food tokens, like as if you had a picnic. You lay them out around them, and that's your game board, sort of. Uh, and or every player's turn, they move an ant, and then they can take a token ahead or behind it but you're not the ant and you just you just earn points for the tokens you've got but how much they're worth depends on what order the ants get to the end of the game board oh. so as you go you start going oh hang on a second you invest in this one or i'm not investing that one it's still a bit random but there's a bit of strategy so it's a nice balance you know to get people into it yeah um, so yeah that's uh that's i say the third one i'm gonna pick
0: nice that's cool. I'll have to look that one up. And it sounds really interesting. So,
1: so pretty as well.
0: Oh, nice. What was it called again?
1: B I T. B-I-T-E. Yes.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, what about designing? You, I know this is your first game designing, but what kind of sparked that? Yeah, it's,
1: uh, it's another lockdown story, because I'm sure we're not sick of those yet. <laughs> uh, so I was talking to a friend, uh, must have been about a year ago now. Um, we were just sort of chatting, and uh, I do a lot of baking Uh for fun and because you know i like eating cakes um we were making jokes about it and then my friends were, oh you must have picked so many cakes I'm like yeah but i can't get rid of them because you know you don't see people it's like maybe you can use them for something else like what domination and then we're like yeah it could be like you know a game where you play like a kick card they were like, hang on a second this could actually work should we should we try to make this up properly and we're like why not we're not doing anything and Next thing you know, we're making up cards in like PowerPoint and we're forcing our friends to play it. And then I realized that there are all these people online that actually did this. Like, I'm not nuts. This is actually a thing. I found sort of Discord groups. They got really big around that time. Um, I found sort of online events like Protocon, um, you know, but there are others. I found this tabletop mentorship program that, that Grace and Mike run And yeah, it just kept going from there.
0: That is awesome. Yeah, I love the tabletop mentorship because that like, that helped me get to playtesting actually with other people outside of like family and people I knew, people in my comfort zone. Like that was really, really nice. So who was your mentor?
1: Um, I did it twice. The first time I participated, it was uh, Raven McKenzie. She designs in the US, I think, Michigan. And okay. then second time around, the one that just finished, I got someone called Jack Jack Pope. He's a uh, UK oh, yeah. based. Yeah, I sort of uh, asked for someone who's got experience like self publishing. Uh, so he's a niche niche publisher here. Uh, they're really great folks. Uh, check them out on Twitter if you don't know them already. Um, but amazing program, absolutely amazing. I couldn't believe it when I first found it. I'm like, oh wow, people run this. How much do they charge? It's free whoa (laughs) it's great way to meet people and get someone to you know talk things through with isn't it
0: yeah oh yeah did you get to participate in many of the like i think on like sundays or saturdays they would do the like kind of socials and the uh guest speakers did you round tables yeah did you participate any of that
1: yeah absolutely i really liked them because I think one thing I wanted was to just meet people in general, like not just for the mentors. So it was a great way to sort of, I guess, get in a virtual room uh, with other people, Um, especially the roundtables I really liked because what they do is they have someone's volunteer to host uh, on any topic. So for example, someone hosted one on like navigating online playtesting, and they just sign up, you jump in and there's like seven or eight of you just, discussing around this topic and you learn about what they do you learn from each other and sometimes you connect afterwards uh I remember running into someone I knew from one of those um I think I think you know her as well Katie I bumped into really? her in an online event she just says well I'm like oh I know you from that event uh which is which is a cool feeling really makes you feel like it's a community right
0: yeah oh absolutely we're gonna have Katie on a future episode so boom,
1: amazing. Boom, boom
0: teaser. <laughs> well, that's really, really cool. Yeah. I really wanted to participate in those, but you know, it was, my wife was working from home during the program. And so it was like, I couldn't just pull up my screen and, and participate in it fully. So I, I would peek into some of them and watch them on my with my headphones, but like never talk or anything. And I was like, Oh, this could be even like, this is already great just to have the mentor, but to have these, all these other things going on like felt like such a cool opportunity. So I'm glad you got to take full advantage of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess that's one upside of uh, living alone over the various lockdowns. No interruptions, <laughs> but not many games I could have played.
0: <laughs> Very true. It's, you know, positive spin on it, right?
1: Got to find some silver lining somewhere.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Uh well let's talk about Cake of Doom. I gotta play it. Why don't you break it down for us? Tell us what it's what it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is uh you can hit my elevator pitch. Uh Cake of Doom is a game where you're an alien and you compete to take over the world using cakes because that's absolutely what cakes are for. Uh, it's card based, it's very simple and short. Uh, runs about twenty minutes in person for three to six players. Uh, so in your turn, you play some cakes and bribe over one of the continents of Earth. So maybe you play some cakes and apple pie for North America. You win over, uh, and other people can play baking disasters so sabotage you maybe your cake was too dense maybe you dropped it and uh, that ruins your bribe and uh, you win by uh, being the first person to uh win over enough places and you're now the overlord of earth
0: <laughs> wonderful yeah that was great yeah i liked the sabotage stuff and that they were you know like just like you said it was too thick or uh oh, what was another one
1: Sneeze on a cake, I quite like that one. Oh, no, I don't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it will become out, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a big deck of cards that you had, uh, you know, you had your cake deck, and then you have the adv- or the sabotage cards and s- power-ups, or?
1: Actions, I think they're caught right now. The power-up is a good name, uh... Yeah, so we split them out actually. So you either, you draw from, you can draw cakes or you can draw disasters or actions. The two pals, um, which is actually, I think, one of the best changes we made uh, because people wanted to have a little bit of autonomy because it's quite, you know, it's card it's, based, it's, it's quite random, but you get a little bit of choice on what you're getting. Yeah. My other favorite bit of the game is um, the escalating of drawing. So you I get. I was going
0: to say that, yeah.
1: Yeah, you draw sort of one card each on your first round, and then it's two, and then it's three, and then it's four, which really keeps it moving. At least that's what I say. Uh, okay. so compared to stuff like, you know, munchkin, which also have a lot take that, it keeps the game moving, gives you some momentum. Hopefully you felt the same.
0: I did. It was funny because at first I didn't think I liked it, and I think that I started giving feedback on it. And then all of a sudden, like, I talked myself into it, and I was like, you know what, actually, this makes a lot of sense, like, if you didn't do it this way, then yeah. Like it, I don't think it would work as well. <laughs> and so ultimately I was like, no, this actually fits and it works really well. Like at first I just was like, it was new to me. And so I hadn't done that. And, and that you like, so the first time, you know you're only drawing one and then two and three and four and in the later rounds uh, picking from a diverse deck whether you're going to take cakes, like, you know, you're going to get a cake or you're gonna hopefully get some sabotage or some items that help you out, steal cakes from somebody else. Or uh, it was like a very fun choice to make later. And also somewhat of a tough choice because it's like, is player three gonna help get, knock this person out so that they can't take the UN. So they can't, you know, uh, buy out the UN. I don't know what you would call it. (laughs) bribe the UN with cakes.
1: <laughs> that, that's the metaphor. Uh yeah, I think that's it's one of the really interesting aspects of the game. Um so I was playing it in person in the UK Games Expo uh about a month back. And there's one thing and maybe maybe it came out more in person, I guess, because it was easier for people to talk. But it's funny because two people would have been you know, player one and two would have been fighting over over this, the cofer at South America, right? And then the enemies, but suddenly player freeze about to win and they're binding together. Be like, guys, we gotta, we got to do this together. You, you take this from him. I will sabotage teamwork. And <laughs> suddenly they're the best of friends, which is a nice, you know, nice way to change it up a bit sometimes.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think, did I, was it me, Rob Kramer and Katie Allred? I think that's I who. I think
1: so. You guys were one of the groups on Protocon, yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, I remember at first, like, I think Rob had stolen mine or something, and I was like, oh, like, and so that made him and I, like, mortal enemies for the whole game, and I think Katie ended up ultimately winning it, because, like, when it came to a decision of who I should sabotage, I was like, it's Rob. Rob (laughs) Rob messed with me first, so, (laughs) which was my own thing, and it was like, oh, no, I totally gave that game away in a way. But Katie played well and and she took it fair and square
1: she earned planet earth all right yes uh, I think it's a fun way to play though you know sometimes it's nice to play because you wanted to you know just pay back for rob you know you don't you're not always calculating about chances of winning because it's you know it's short and it's casual and it's wacky right so
0: yeah exactly yeah. it was also fun to be like well there was like a Native American on the North American one and so like being Native American, I was like, I need that one. Like, that one is mine. Like, nobody touch this. (laughs) And so I I found myself fighting for that one a lot more than the others.
1: (laughs) I do the same. There's a Far East, uh, like in in Asia uh, region as well, and that's where I grew up, and I always go like, no, don't take my homeland (laughs) when anybody (laughs) else wants to go for it. (laughs) Um, Uh,
0: I love it. And I thought that was really cool too. I'm not all that, like, cultured. Uh, globally cultured, I guess. But the other players were like, oh, yeah, this type of cake. I love this type of cake. And like, from this area and blah, blah. Like, they were very familiar with some of these very obscure cakes. Like, so you you did your research.
1: Yeah, it was it was one of the funnest bit, I think, up front. So um, when you draw a cake, some of them are, you know, more normal cakes. You have a chocolate, carrot cake, all that type of jazz. But you also have regional specialties. And if you've you used them on the right region, they're worth more. So, for example, in Asia, there's Mooncake. In Europe, there's Uh, tiramisu. uh I think North America has one that's called bars. I hope I'm saying it right, which I believe is Canadian. Uh, and it was really fun because some of them I knew about, some of them I, I was researching on, and some of them I actually sort of crowdsourced the ideas of. Like bars, I, I got from a, a play tester who's Canadian, who suggested it because at first it was, I think, another american related one and she was like i am sick of being invisible why isn't there not a canadian cake it is <laughs> like please tell me about a canadian cake uh so you know if you find up a specialty cake later on message me we'll get it in
0: <laughs> okay yeah oh i love it did you end up making a bunch of cakes and eating them for for research at all
1: I mean it's for science, right? I had to try it out the uh, Palossa yeah. and all these all these things. Uh in fact, that's one of the ideas. Uh so me and my co-designer was brainstorming around how to sort of do the marketing side of it. Because we, we do want to self-publish um, Kickstarter maybe later this year. And he's like, What if what if we gave out a sample of the regional specialties, just like on the streets and events and stuff? I'm like, You're gonna make me bake the you? He's Like, yes. Because you don't want to eat stuff, I (laughs) (laughs) bake.
0: Oh, that's funny.
1: (laughs) People like cakes, right? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I always joke about how you can like, oh, I started a podcast just so that I could write off board games. Like, it's a tax write-off now. I do a podcast about it. So like...
1: Business expenses.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think with... uh, We were actually talking about that at a play test. Somebody had their game published and... And they were like, I don't write off games. I was like, you should like every single game you play from now on as a you are a board game designer, you can write them off as research, like trying to find new mechanics and like be familiar with what's out there. Like it's important stuff. And and so tying that back to this. In the very rare position to be able to write off cakes.
1: (laughs) Cakes and flowers and eggs, everything, really.
0: Everything, yeah. If you don't know how to make it, you could go to a fancy restaurant, order a real nice cake, write it off.
1: (laughs) I like the way you think, Riley.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm self-employed. I have to think of like everything I can write off.
1: (laughs) As you do, as you do. I uh, do you think it's really fun to design like sort of about something you know about, like it of because I actually do really love cakes, like eating them, hearing about them, making them. And I hear that from other folks as well. You know, people who design about maybe a topic they're passionate about, like, like a social justice related game. Like I played, I played one that was about um, female figures in literature. Right. And it's a really cool game that's in the library or, or one that's about um, aliens, uh, which is just something that the person finds interesting. Like they actually research about, you know, life, possibilities out of space, you know? So it's, I guess it's sort of, you, you do with what you know. Maybe that's why we will start with something we know about.
0: the. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like you're passionate about something. You're also passionate about games. Like why not combine those two? I mean, Elizabeth Hargraves has a, uh, feel like i said that last name weird elizabeth hargraves has wingspan and i'm pretty sure mariposas like you can and in their instruction booklets you can tell they're passionate about it because they're like teaching you stuff about the subject and i I really like that so are you gonna have in your rule books stuff oh that's what you could do you could do a cookbook (gasps) that could be like a kickstarter exclusive is have a cookbook of like recipes for all these cakes
1: Pearl's Recipes. That's actually my secret plan. I just want to do a cookbook later and get a TV show and stuff. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I kid, I kid. Um, we did actually talk a bit about that. At one point, where we were going to put recipes on the uh, cake carts themselves. Uh, oh, nice. I think we've shot down the idea now in favor of just some flavor text or a bit about the cake. But uh, that's a good idea for the, uh, for, the, for the Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, maybe a little add-on or just a, a part in the rule book. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great and idea.
0: That's something you could totally outsource to and be like, hey, people from out throughout the world, just send us your recipes and we'll include it. And you could even credit them or something. And- Amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Get a bit of engagement going, get people talking about it. Oh. Yeah. You should that's be cool. in marketing, Riley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> I just like thinking of, this feels like a ridiculous theme almost where I'm like, oh yeah, that's my wheelhouse is like, come up with something out of the box or some weird thing to add into it. Now, I love it. You were already thinking about it. You you had that in your head.
1: <laughs> we inspire each other. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's one of the fun things about design is you like, you just bounce stuff off each other and, and feedback sessions. And, yeah.
1: Absolutely. I think that's really nice when you find, like, a nice online group, because, I mean, you, you're not quite good at signing, but it's nice when you have someone who might be at an early stage of a concept and you're testing it, and it almost turns into a little bit of a brainstorm type thing where people, oh, you could go in this way or that way, and, and the designers sort of bounce off of it, and you end up with something that they really love. And, you know, it's it's cool to take part, and also they're doing the heavy lifting uh, in that case, so you kind of feel like you <laughs> took part, so you didn't have to do the hard work. <laughs>
0: oh i love it yeah and then you always always get somebody who's like it'd be cool if you made a completely different game with this that is (laughs) that
1: that does get old sometimes i think i do get that for King of doom as well uh one of the things that come up a lot is people always want some sort of auction uh of of using kicks to auction for someone's body which is a great idea and it could be a really cool game it's just not the one i was going for Uh, yeah I don't don't understand I'm complaining. It's really cool to get ideas from people, and that's probably why you play tests. But uh, sometimes you're looking for specific areas, and people nonetheless really want to get their thoughts out there.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes there's little nuggets of like, oh, that's a great idea. Maybe I'll use that little aspect of it. But other than that, it's like, well, great. You go make that game. I'll stick to mine.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You you make the game you wanted. Uh, That's what I like to say.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that is awesome. I am so excited. Uh when have you implemented some changes since Protocon?
1: Yeah, actually. Um it was it's largely sort of theme related. So um when we first started, uh there are actual alien characters in the game, so you get player ability. Um but in part of when we streamlined it, a lot. Uh, We also took that part out. And one of the things we wanted was for that alien bit to come through a bit more, that domination doomy bit to come through more. So uh, we're going to make the cakes a bit more alien-y. So it's a chocolate cake. It's going to be chocolate cake with stardust sprinkled over it. Uh, Mm. So the adjustments like that. Uh, We're also changing some of those sabotages, so you get things like alien baby eggs hatching Popping out of your kick, uh, not to scare anyone too much, uh, but but you get the idea for that sort of thing. Uh, we're going to also try some slightly different powers for the regions, so when you win them, you get to do slightly different boosts uh, to balance them out a bit. But yeah, little things here and there. I'd like to think we're getting there with Kick of Doom.
0: No, that's exciting. And how many regions do you have? Regions are the you need. Is it based on a player count of how many you need?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So there are uh, 12 in total, including the UN. Uh, there are three, I think we split Asia into three bits, uh, Europe, Americas, uh, Africa and two bits, and there's Oceania and Antarctica as well. Uh, so if you you basically always have one less than two per player. So if you're three people, you've got uh, maps. you've got five <laughs> regions <laughs> and the UN. That gives you, you sort of incentivize to Fight or interact uh, to, for a more cordial word, uh, f- fight in a friendly and cordial and respectable manner. Over <laughs> uh, so yeah,
0: no, I love it. So, but you need two regions in your control to take the UN cake, and then you need to start your next turn with the UN cake or the U- uh, not UN cake, with the UN region. Right. Yeah, you just
1: got to win the UN. If you win, that's uh, that that ends the game. It's your. Oh,
0: does your it winner. end immediately?
1: Yeah, we tried the other ways. It felt a bit, it felt a bit weird to remember with non gamers. So we decided, yeah, just we'll just stop it there. When oh, You win. Okay. You win. okay. Uh, but, yeah, but that's uh, you're right. It's two, and then the UN. I guess it's two to earn us at the table uh, before you can bribe
0: the UN. When are you planning on bringing it to Kickstarter?
1: It's a great question. We were originally aiming for this year, but uh, given sorry, early next year. I thought i, I swear, since COVID, I've been mixing my dates up. So it's 2021 now. We were originally aiming for early 2022, but uh, the my co-designer, Amara, uh, is, is actually getting married uh, next summer which is kind of new, very happy for him, but it does mean he's going to be rather busy, or probably on the run up to organizing this wedding. Uh, so we're, we're now aiming to launch more uh, next autumn. Oh, okay. So, uh, keep an eye out for the news.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a ways out there, but that's all right. Plenty of time to prep and build an audience and, and hone or refine the game. So that's great.
1: Absolutely. I think I didn't fully realize how much work uh, that the publishing involves apart from just designing the game. Because, you know, we, we've got a game. It can get better. It can always get better. But a game exists. Now you've just got to do, you know, the artwork, uh, the box artwork, the marketing, the mailing list, uh, the campaign page. Uh, and then you've got to do the financial business as well. So it's, it's all the other business side of things, which is really exciting to learn about and all. And there are great mentors out there. But it is not easy work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh like I shudder at that the thought of running a whole campaign especially as like a small team
1: absolutely i think it's it would be a really great learning experience we sort of had a conversation about this at one point um i guess it's a bit different when you're doing it together because sort of the idea is co-owned uh but we actually sat down and talked about like it's a lot of work actually if we honest ourselves do we really want to do this and actually we sort of decided well actually our goal was to even if it runs at a really low quantity, even if it's sort of very as much DIY as we have to. It's a good experience to have. Um, so we'll treat it as a learning experience and hopefully we'll succeed. Even if we don't, we still would have gotten a lot out of it. We already did, right? Look at me, I'm on a podcast.
0: You know? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how exciting is this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how did you get, how did you know Amar?
1: Oh, um. See, we've known each other for about six years now. It's actually from work initially. So we just started working at this uh, large company together. But the funny bit is, we actually never worked together. Uh, we sort of sit in different departments, if you will. Uh, so at one point, we were like, "What do you actually do, like, at work? Like, I know what you do because we're in the building, but like, what actually do you do?" But maybe that's a good thing because I felt like if we actually work together and then we design a game together, we might be a bit sick of each other.
0: Oh, yeah. I could see that. <laughs> and then you did you start playing? Like, is he a part of your like game group or anything like that?
1: Yeah, on and off. Uh, so we have a bit different preferences in games. Uh, so Amar's come to a few game evenings. He's organized a few of his own. Uh, when MR is in charge, it's more social. It's more moral stuff like, um, oh, uh, it's not coming. Um, words on a grid. You're in teams. You're trying to code word.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> code names.
1: Code names. There we go. This is the bit yeah. where I play my card with English from a second language. That's why I can't remember names sometimes. But
0: <laughs> you're doing <code> great. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um So it's it's more games like that or like articulate, you know, which is really fun, and we get more people in as well usually. When I run it, it's usually a smaller group, maybe four to five people will play stuff like, like Power Grid, like Bites, like uh, katan occasionally, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's good to have that diversity there of different uh, yeah, different game types.
1: Yeah, in fact, I recently, um, and this is quite exciting, I recently started playing my first d campaign ever.
0: Oh. I don't. How is it going?
1: It's it's cool. I I think I sort of knew about it, but I wasn't completely sure what I, what I was getting into. But, and I sort of got into the group for a friend. But anyway, it was it's really fun. Actually, I'm surprised how much I enjoyed it. We saw three sessions in. I I'm a ranger. I'm just like I get to shoot arrows at things. Yay! was <laughs> <laughs> like, is it really complicated? I'm like, yeah. I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not sure I fully comprehend all the rules. But you know what? You don't need to. Um, yeah just say what you want to do and the dm will rein you in uh, if you're uh, across the line so no it's a, it's a great group uh it's really exciting i've i'm playing Beastmaker, so i just got my uh companion at uh, the end of last session oh. uh so i'm very excited about that
0: yeah. very cool what is it
1: uh so my uh my dm or gm however you want to call it I decided i'm allowed a hippogriff um
0: oh okay
1: um, yeah. Very exciting. Uh, he's just a wee baby right now. Uh, but when he's all grown up, uh, you know, he'll be able to take multiple people and really fast. And yeah, it'll be great. Very
0: exciting. That's fun. <laughs> I, w- I would love to get like a and d group eventually. But I mean, I- I've tried. I ran a DM session. Like I was like, all right, well, I'll just DM. And we ran a couple of times, but then some people couldn't attend. And so it ended up just falling apart.
1: Oh, that's a shame. That's I guess that's the that's the tricky bit, isn't it? It's so much harder to do that as an adult. I guess people have lives, and well, COVID didn't help things, and especially with D and D and I guess legacy type games because you need the same group or at least most of the same group to come back. It's, it's tough. Gone the days where you can play games for eight hours in a row.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, soon you'll be doing that with D&D, right? You'll just have like a whole entire day of D&D. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> well, what about other designs? Have Has this sparked any other like design ideas? Are there any other games in your mind rattling around?
1: Um, ideas in my head, about 10 million actual prototypes, uh, are, are, are very few. I've sort of, really focus on trying to get Kick of Doom to become a real game on the shelf. Uh, But I have my share of ridiculous ideas like every game designer. You know, I've got got a game in my mind about a world where it's illegal to fish and you're trying to uh, illegally uh, deliver fish to various people. I've got one in mind about um, Lunar New Year uh, where you're trying to get as many red packets so they have money inside. Trying to get as many red packets as possible by positioning yourself strategically. You know, I have all the ideas in the world I just need some execution.
0: Yeah <laughs> well and understandable, especially as like you have a game that's gonna be going to Kickstarter like you don't want to divide your attention too much. but also it's nice to have another game to like step away when you get a block you know creator's block and it's like, all right I can go work on this game for a little bit and then come back with fresh eyes.
1: Absolutely. So I'm hoping to actually get one in Tabletop. Uh, I was telling myself I'll do it within this month. It's now mid-September. It's not looking good. But um, <laughs> at some point this year, maybe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, Well, that's cool. Well, I look forward to when you get it on there. I'll play it happily.
1: You'll be the first one on the table. Virtual Perfect. Table.
0: <laughs> yeah, the virtual table. <laughs> What about outside of board games? And, I mean, now you do D&D, so that's one thing. I mean, that's like board game adjacent. They're like cousins, right?
1: Tabletop games.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So let's go outside of that world. What do you enjoy doing?
1: I I like baking, as you've heard about already. Uh, I do bouldering as well, Uh, so rock climbing, uh, but you go not as high and you don't have harnesses. You're not in your head knowing, like, great. Uh, Oh,
0: yeah. I was like super into bouldering oh like that was my absolute i didn't i'm not a big fan of heights so like climbing was always stressful for me and i liked doing it but also like rappelling down and everything rappelling's the fun part but at the same time like very like shaking so when i learned about bouldering i was like this this is what i wanted to (laughs) do
1: Absolutely. I know what you mean. I occasionally go on ropes like if, you know, a friend's along and they want to do it. And I always freak out when I buzz it in height. I guess especially because I'm used to bouldering. I'm like, this is too high. This is too high. And this is a <laughs> whole so low for me and everything. But uh, it's just a bit a bit tall for me. So yeah. to stick to my boulders. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: well, I think bouldering sometimes is even more excited because then there'll be like, you're not very high up off the ground and you can try like jumps or little like technical moves that you wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable doing at a a higher height.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You get to, I guess, push the boundaries a little bit more because there's at least a feeling of more safety. If it, you know, obviously you're actually quite safe on your harness as well, but it's psychological, isn't it? (laughs) So much of it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, it's funny because like if you mess it up, up in the air, you know, up higher that you're gonna get caught you're not gonna hit the ground but if you mess it up bouldering yeah you're gonna go on the ground but it's only like a A couple meters three five feet drop yeah oh yeah meters for you right
1: (laughs) of course americans
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry i'm sorry i apologize on behalf of america for being difficult
1: well we'll just use bananas it'll be like 20 bananas tops.
0: yeah (laughs) perfect Uh, do you get to go bouldering outside of a gym or do you do it in a gym
1: i'm mostly in a gym because i live in london uh but i do try to go outside as well uh it's a tough one because uh It's strange, but I can't drive. Um, So I need someone who can drive, who will drive me (laughs) to the boulders. That's what friends are for. Um, So I tag along a couple times a year pre-pandemic. We've managed to go once this last summer, so like about a month ago. Um, you can get pretty good places about so two or three hours drive from London, or even an hour's drive outside. Um, you get quite a lot of boulders. The great thing as well is uh, if you go all the way to Fontainebleau, which is about an hour outside of Paris. It's it's absolutely amazing. It's sort of the mecca of bouldering. The way I see it, I guess at least for this part of the world, there's so many areas, so many boulders, and it's not that far from London. Well, that's yeah, cool. lots of options for me, and of course the states have a lot of bouldering places as well, doesn't it?
0: Oh yeah, I'm in Utah, which I think is kind of a mecca for rock climbing. Absolutely,
1: oh, I'm so, so jealous. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it, it's great. It, yeah, like I used to just drive like 20 minutes, and I can go bouldering. And then there's a plenty of gyms here, uh, but they're kind of pricey. Yeah,
1: yeah, they, they are a bit on day. I I swear I so, saw um. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember the name of the design now, but there was a bouldering, a uh, climbing-related game that came out on Kickstarter. Yeah, it was really big. Um, designed by a lady, I want to say.
0: Now I can't remember what it's even called, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm sure that listeners are like, "It's this, it's this." Idiots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was we really. We can't
0: hear you. That. We can't hear you yelling at us. All right, stop yelling.
1: <laughs> this is when you get tweets at you. Be like, "Is that one?" <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's really fun. Uh, let's keep going. That we got stuck on the very first one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I like to read as well. I do a lot of fiction. Um, and, uh, in the past, you know, when people could go on planes and go to crowded places, I used to go to the theater as well, uh, musicals and stuff, because, you know, I'm living in London, I might as well take advantage of it, right?
0: Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's, I mean, I'm going to stop you on all these. We're going to pick apart. Do you have a favorite book?
1: Oh, that's like asking for favorite board games.
0: I know, <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> um there's some there's some books that I really like. Uh, I love the Discworld series, so Terry Pratchett, which is excellent uh, excellent series for I guess it's a little bit uh, youth uh, youth novel type, but as an adult, I still really enjoy it. It's so, so wacky, it's easy to read, but you get some 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 sort of proper life lesson bits as well. I think inside, so oh nice, everything uh, a bit magical. Definitely check it out. Um, there's a book I'd like to recommend to people called Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. Uh, so everyone knows Harry Potter, of course, uh, which I which I do like, uh, but this is written, a fan fiction that, that J.K. Rowling actually, I think officially gave a go ahead for, but it's written by someone who works in sort of uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, like sort of in that realm of things. And it's, it is based on Harry Potter, but it's a world where Harry was raised by two professors of science. Um, and he sort of applies this method of science to the wizarding world, right? Like why does magic work? Like what is this in the wizarding blood? Why is this particular word or motion that infokes this, this spell? You know, if I think about logically, where's the where's the whole in Voldemort's evil plan? And you've still got all the characters there, it's still really funny and magical, but it's got this really interesting lens of looking at it. Hmm. And one of the things that I really like about it is the offset, one of the reasons he wrote it is because Quite often in this type of novel, you get like a hero and they were just born into the role of the hero, right? Like, you know, Harry worked hard, but he was just given this magical ability from his mother's love, you know, as a baby. But but in this case, you know, it's about showing that you can also learn. You can learn how to think for yourself. You can learn skills. And that helps this version of Harry a lot in his adventures, which is a really great lesson as well. Right. So highly recommend Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality.
0: Nice. (laughs) Have to check that one out. Uh, What about musicals? What what musicals have you been, or did you see in favorite ones? Uh,
1: Wicked is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, I saw it when I was a teenager, so uh, it's probably an element of that, but I really love it. I love the songs. It's a great story. Another one that's really good is Billy Elliot. It's, uh, I think it's a bit less famous. Uh, It's got, I love how diverse the style of things is. So there's a bit of ballet. Which is because it's basically about protagonists of a young boy, son of a miner, right, tough dude, who's really into ballet and really talented. So there's a bit of a clash of cultures there within his family. But you got a bit of ballet, you get a bit of sort of sort of tougher, more more epic type of music around the miners and they go on strike and that sort of thing. Uh, really diverse range of song and dance going on. Uh, and uh, of course, Book of Mormon is also a more than classic, uh, absolutely hilarious. Have you seen uh, any musicals?
0: Oh, I've seen <laughs> Wicked in San Francisco. I've seen a lot. I Like I was in choir and oh. I didn't do any musicals, but like, you know, you would still sing. They would have you sing musical numbers and whatnot. It was always fun. I wish I did theater more. Would have been fun.
1: Yeah, it's never too late.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm trying to think of other ones. Like I I, I remember the Pan or uh, the Pirates of Pizance. Oh, like oh, it was a weird one, but it was fun. We have like a local music or a, a local theater that does parodies. So they'll do like Harry Potter and the something like they'll make a joke of it. I don't even, I can't remember, but you know, so they just do a bunch of parodies and do musicals and, but yeah, I, I know I've seen more. I don't know why I'm blanking on it. But I think Wicked, again, same thing where like I saw it when I was younger and it was just so, so cool. Like a, a, re- a very memorable one.
1: I know all the songs, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Do you sing?
1: Um, In the bathroom, sure. Not the kind <laughs> of singing I think anyone else needs to hear, but I enjoy it. Okay. Doing it.
0: <laughs> very nice yeah who doesn't right <laughs> i don't know anybody that's like no 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 no. like i don't i, I hate singing even when i'm by myself singing's the worst
1: <laughs> it's uh, another thing i missed to be honest uh, about the pandemic because um uh karaoke is quite a big thing where i grew up in hong kong uh and it's like a very common thing to go do with a bunch of friends just after school and it's not the kind of karaoke where you get drunk and just sing whatever it's you actually they're mostly for singing a bit of snacks um so we I used to do that a lot and even now i'll sometimes go in london but of course you know that's that's not ideal a uh, situation with COVID. you know with people singing at the top of their lungs in a small room so it's been ages but i do miss doing that
0: oh that's fun i love it <laughs> do you have a go-to karaoke song
1: oh that's a good question it's I think there are a few. They're probably the songs in Chinese. Uh, But I do have a buddy uh, with whom I I was saying let it go from Frozen to everybody else's dismay. But we have fun, so (laughs) eh.
0: That's really fun. I love it. (laughs) This is uh, something silly that me and my friend would do, is that we would pick a song that we did not know at all, like never, ever heard in our entire lives, and then we would go up and try and sing it. Like, cause we don't know the melody. We don't know like what the chorus is or anything. And it was, it was always such a blast to just be like totally goofy, trying to make up some melody that works with it. And uh, yeah, we, we had fun with it.
1: <laughs> that sounds hilarious. I should, I gotta try that next time.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One time actually we did a song and we were like totally, you know, riffing on it whatever we didn't know it and then the chorus came and we're like wait we know this song like and from there on like we knew the song and but it was funny to be like the first half no idea you know it was just some random stuff we were doing and then all of a sudden it was like oh yeah duh everybody knows this song
1: good times.
0: yeah oh and I'm missing going out now
1: Day, we'll get there, Riley. We will get there.
0: Yeah. I'm a homebody, though. Like, I'm totally comfortable being home. Like, the pandemic hasn't really affected me too much. Uh, I I apologize to people it has affected, but I'm very lucky. So, yeah.
1: Fair enough. Uh, I feel like that's true for not everyone, but a lot of people in the hobby are a bit more. No, we enjoy being indoors, uh, being with our kids, (laughs) being inside. Uh, So, So for Lightnings, again.
0: Yeah, exactly. Though it is fun to have the option to go out.
1: Absolutely. And also to play games with other people, not on a computer.
0: (laughs) Yes. That's a huge thing for us, right? Like, I don't know how many of these games I got in the pandemic, but I'm so looking forward to like busting out a four-player game of Spirit Island or, uh, you know, so many other games that like I've never gotten to play with people.
1: It'll be it'll be an amazing moment. Be warned though, the first time I hosted game night since the pandemic uh, a couple of months back, it was it was awesome. It was amazing. Everyone was really happy. But our social batteries are first drunk, so you get tired really quickly as well. <laughs>
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, I'm sure other people might too. Well, it depends. Like, people might be so like excited to get into it, they might push past their limit and then be exhausted the next day because they're like, "Oh no! Like, I overstayed. I overdid it." That's yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. We've had people over uh, a couple times now, uh, and it's been really fun. But usually, they don't stay too late either. So everyone's got work.
1: Yeah, grown ups. Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what was the first game that you broke out for post pandemic? We're going back into board games, but we're going to go back to outside of board games again in a minute. This is all It's, over,
1: never, so. it's never a problem to go into board games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was actually Bites that I took out first. Um I want to uh, so the people I had over some of them were new to the gaming group, they actually old friends who moved to London uh, over the pandemic. So oh. uh, it was the first time that my like, games night and I wanted to break them in easily. Don't scare them off, you know? I <laughs> yeah, um, started something like her, um, which I really enjoyed. And then, funny enough, they actually requested something, and uh, I quote, a bit more strategic. I'm like, care for what you ask for, my friends? <laughs> <laughs> and then we broke out uh, Brass by Birmingham. Uh, yeah. They asked, uh. they get. <laughs> which is really exciting. I really love that game. And I didn't have it for that long before COVID, so I was like, yes, I can play again. And I'm like, guys, I totally remember the rules. Just give me a second. I got to check this thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Did they like it?
1: Yeah, definitely. It was a lot to take in for sure, that one. Uh, but we did sort of a trial round and we started properly. Uh, so yeah, oh, nice. it. after which we needed a bit of uh, food to, you know, just just to wake ourselves up again, like brain energy. But it was all good. How I about you? was the first game you got to the table? I
0: think, well, Calico was super, when we got that, like I took it to my family's and like both sides, my wife's family, my family, like we played it with them. We played it with some friends. So that's like the strongest one I can think of. It might've, but there was also like code names, which was just an easy one to bust out. I think that might've been the last one before the pandemic though. It all sort of, even though it was so long ago, yeah, like (laughs) they're blurring together a little bit so it might have it was one of those two i think
1: calico's nice uh, i don't have it but um complete tangent but i'm actually trying to adopt some cats so uh, anything cat related i'm like cat
0: yeah that's really awesome <laughs> if i open this door cats will come in you know i've, I've got two cats
1: <laughs> very jealous hopefully i'll say the same soon
0: yeah how many are you gonna do two
1: yeah, that's a plan. They're bonded pair, so I felt like it would be nicer for them to have a friend around when I might not. You know, I might be in the office because that's going to happen again, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. Ooh. <laughs> that's really cool. So you're a cat person?
1: Well, actually, I I think I'm just a pet person. I also really love dogs. Uh, I dog sat for friends and stuff, but. It's not realistic for me to have dogs right now. Uh, I live in a flat, I live alone, yada, yada. But cats, I think I'll manage, and I'll still be happy. So,
0: Very nice. Yeah. I, lo- I didn't like cats until I... Well, I take that back. My boss had a cat named Riley, who was just the <laughs> fattest cat. And I was, like, instantly in love with him. Like, we were Aww. just best friends. Whenever I went over to his house, the cat would, like, just blob against me. <laughs>
1: Aww, he chose so, you.
0: Yeah, so, like, that was my introduction to cats. And then my wife's cat when we got, when we were dating, Uh I mean, she wasn't my wife then, obviously. But he, like, took to me instantly. And she was like, he doesn't normally like men. So, this is a good sign. I was like,
1: oh, yay. It's like the cat helped, you know? I know.
0: <laughs> so... And then we got more and more cats and we would get, we're probably going to get more cats now that we have a house and we don't have like a pet limit. Uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> it's like games. You start it now. It's no end.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> but they're like a continued expense. That's the thing that direct, like two cats is pretty expensive with food litter. And then we have a bunny and a Guinea pig. And so like everything just like, Food piles up. We spend probably just as much on food on them as ourselves.
1: Oh, you're a good pet owner, then. I have a friend who does the same with his dog. He's like, the dog probably eats better than me. I'm like, he definitely eats better than you. Cook him meat and stuff, and you yourself eat crappy pieces. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. But that's just like the things we do for the cats we love, or the animal pets we love, all yeah. of them. So. Oh. Well, that's exciting. I'm excited. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there because I love I love pets. Who doesn't? Yeah. I will say, though, dogs we have a hard time with because slobber.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Not all dogs slobber, though.
0: I know. We just don't know any.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it's not everybody's thing, I guess. Uh, my, my little brother's terrified of dogs, for example. Uh, oh, yeah. So not because of slobber, because of... It's one of those things, I guess. There's no reason. He's just terrified, even of the Yeah. For
0: thing. Well, My wife was bit by a dog, I guess, when she was young. So that also is like an aversion. But but we'll have like our friends will bring their dogs over sometimes and and our cats will just like smack at them or hiss at them all the time. But one of them, I think, would be friends if they like if we hung out more and more, I think they actually would be okay around each other. Let's keep going. What what else? What kind of work do you do?
1: Uh, I uh, I work with data. So I used to work in management consulting and I now do data science. So I work with all the numbers, I type code, I make PowerPoints, all the totally cool stuff that definitely doesn't make me more of a nerd.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. That's what all the cool kids do is data an- uh, data analysis. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. If I do data work, I wear glasses. What more can I do?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, love it. Do you do you have suspenders?
1: I didn't take it that far.
0: <laughs> okay, alright.
1: <laughs> Maybe next time. Uh, it's it's I, I, jokes aside, I do enjoy the analytical type of work. I think it's partly why I I can get really into some mechanical Mechanics heavy euros because it's that side of fun for me. And I like other games too, but it's a different kind of enjoyment, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, like yeah. Like
1: playing, playing code names because that's a different kind of fun. Um, or social deduction where you get to accuse each other and like backstab. Uh, totally don't want to backstab people.
0: Um, no, not at no. <laughs> Never. <laughs>
1: It's also useful designing, you know, like I, I set a spreadsheet the moment we uh, started playtesting with friends and family, like with all the details on it. And my co-designer is just like, were you doing that as we play? I'm like, yeah, of, do, we need a spreadsheet. What do you mean? You did you weren't going to make a spreadsheet. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we never know what skills are useful for what. <laughs>
0: I know that Phil from Organized Fun just got a huge excitement from that. Like, he loves his spreadsheets.
1: <laughs> I get to trade notes with him then.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he lives life by spreadsheets, so.
1: <laughs> My kind of people.
0: Yeah, for real. And he's a neighbor. He's in Wales.
1: Ah. you Wales is actually not that near, but
0: uh, yes. No. Well, <laughs> I guess for the U.S., like... What is, I think the UK is only like 75 miles wide, right? Isn't it something like that?
1: Uh, Possibly. It feels like it'd get quite wide when you go to the Wales but but I can see that for some bits. Oh wait, no, not
0: 75. I think think it was.
1: It's it's obviously a lot smaller than the US. We can definitely agree on that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm geography. totally going to edit that out. So that, <laughs> you know what? actually a little behind the scenes on last week's episode, I said 20,000 hours for teachers, something like that. And I was like, no, I meant 2000. <laughs> like, and so I edited that out so that it just sounded like I, like I wasn't a complete idiot. <laughs> Anyways. Was,
1: you know, Wales is near England. That is pretty good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh but yeah so like the UK isn't all that wide. So comparatively to the US like it would be I don't know isn't it like a 3 or 4 hour drive?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's at most a couple hours drive away Wales. So it yeah. is quite close in the grand scheme of things.
0: Yeah. Like I could drive 3 hours south and still be in Utah. Like
1: That always blows my mind. It's, it's a huge huge place. I've been there once um uh, around New York, but not much further. Uh, been in Canada, I suppose, but it's such a huge space.
0: Yeah, it really is. On Twitter, I saw someone say, like, are Americans, like, really raised to think that they're the best country in the world? And I'm like, yeah, so much so that, like, even in elementary, I fully believed that the U.S. was the biggest country in the world. I very much believed that. And... It is definitely not true.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's up there, just definitely not the biggest one.
0: No, (laughs) there are much bigger ones. But yeah, it's like one of those embarrassing U.S. things where it's like, oh, no, like stupid American. (laughs) But also your youth, it's hard to imagine.
1: I thought all sorts of silly things in elementary school, so.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Can you get around just about anywhere in the country by train?
1: Yes and no. So you can get probably to within a short drive to most places, but it's there are parts where it's much more convenient if you drive yourself. Like I think Wales, for example, is one of those places where it is more convenient if you drive. You can take a train, but it's a bit harder and like not in your control, et cetera, et cetera. Or like if you want to go to the Scottish Highlands, I think the recommendation is usually it's nice to have a car around, um, even though the train will take you most places, or you can do buses and so on. But we have a pretty extensive uh, railway network, I guess.
0: That's what I always hear, and that's what I always picture is like people in the UK just travel by train. That's That's the main transportation.
1: That's why I get away with not knowing how to drive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: <laughs> well, also because, especially because I'm a Londoner, but apart from that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally get that. It's like New York for us. New Yorkers don't drive. Their traffic's wall to wall there, but they don't drive.
1: Exactly. I don't know who the people are with the cars out there, but they're not the people who live here.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's all tourism. When did you move into the UK?
1: Uh, it's been, I moved here in 2011, so it's actually, it's actually almost 10 years, 10 years now. Oh, that's okay. A long
0: time. Yeah. Hong it's, Kong it's just that? me,
1: how old I am. Um Yes, I grew up in Hong Kong before that. That's where my family is.
0: Oh, nice. So you still have family over there.
1: Yeah. Uh, I haven't been there in ages, actually, because of COVID,
0: obviously, but. Very cool. How, what brought you to, to London?
1: Uh, it's, uh, it's not an uncommon thing uh, to sort of come study here or work here for a bit. So I went to university here and then I decided to stay for a bit. Uh, the thinking was is you know, if I wanted to stay then, it was easier than if I left and then want to come back. So why don't I stay first? And if I don't like it, I can always leave. Spoiler alert, I liked it. Uh, so <laughs> I'm still here. I think past the point when you move, uh, you reach a point where now this is also sort of your home. So if you moved from this new place, you always also always miss it a little bit. And a lot of people move states in the US, so I guess a little bit like that. If you live in another state long enough, it starts to become your home as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's an interesting thing, I think, just about anywhere. You know, like, you just get that pride or that comfort of this is home. This is where, like, even if I moved to another state, like, within the same country here, that would be a huge move and a big deal, but... It's hard.
1: Absolutely. I say chips instead of crips and, uh, you know, basically English. Now what do I do about pups?
0: Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, do you have some more hobbies you want to dive into? Uh,
1: I feel like we spent forever talking about me.
0: Uh, well, that's great. You're the, you're the topic.
1: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Must stop feeling guilty. Um, I, I used to love traveling as well as the last one I mentioned. It's obviously been a while, but, uh, I was really lucky and my parents uh, used to take me and my brother traveling at least once a year when we were young. Uh, So I got to see a lot of places and I sort of kept it up as an adult and I took advantage of uh, being in the UK as well uh, when I moved, so got a lot of Europe covered. But yeah, I look forward to the day where uh, I will get on a plane again.
0: Are they pretty locked down there still?
1: Uh, Well, we're quite opened up uh, in England. Uh, I I can fly, Uh, it's just whether that's actually a good idea or not. And there's also a bit of worry about, you know, what if you fly and then they change the rules while you've gone, because that has happened to people. Uh, So I'm going to wait out a little bit more, but someday, someday.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I had all these big plans planned out. I was going to go to Patagonia and like go to Japan again and all that, but it's all on hold now.
0: What's your favorite place you've traveled to?
1: Oh, that's always tough. One of the highlights is uh, Bolivia. So I went to the, you know, pronounce this wrong, but Sala de Um It's the, the, it's a open salt uh, sort of place, salt lake, not quite a lake, but they get water there sometimes. And if it's the right amount of water level, it is a perfect reflection, basically, so it's oh. like a giant mirror on the ground. It's an uh, amazing view, uh, obviously quite far off, but absolutely lovely. You can take all sorts of wacky photos. Uh, lookers are very friendly as well, and you can travel around. You know, Obviously, the neighboring countries are also very interesting. I went to Peru as well before that. But that's definitely one of the highlights. I actually like that more than the Machu Picchu, personally. Uh, oh. you know that's also breathtaking and amazing. So highly recommend.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I love it. Let's play Ridiculous Theme, the game where we come up with a ridiculous theme for a board game. Yay. <laughs> you gave like a drum roll or like a little music. I, I, I think that eventually, one day, when I have a little money to spend on some music, I'll buy, I'm gonna get like intro music, outro music, and then ridiculous themes.
1: Music. <laughs> music, yes. Yep,
0: gotta do it. So, did you come up with a ridiculous theme?
1: I mentioned one about a world where fishing is illegal at one point, which is something I came with in a thing like that, where we're like, just anything crazy. and am like, uh, what was about criminal things? And fishing, fishing is criminal. Yes, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> it's a good one. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> oh, maybe we can do something similar like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a good concept is like, illegalize something legal and then work around it. That's a fun concept, almost dystopian where like, you know, in a world where fish are illegal for some reason.
1: <laughs> Maybe it's cause we were not sustainable in fishing and we're running out of fishes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can. I can see a co-op, you know, where you can either play the good guy, uh, protecting the environment and try to catch these thieves, or you can be the horrible outlaws uh, turning the fish into profit.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea to give both sides. Because I was like, oh, then you, then you're essentially a poacher. Like, <laughs> it's poaching for fish.
1: A little bit questionable, as I said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: But I totally get it. No, 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 yeah.
1: (laughs) I can see one where you, um, I guess I'm a little bit inspired by all the food games out there, but you deep fry various things. You're chippy. So chip shops, uh, or fry shop, as you might call it. Um, Chippies, they they fry, you know, usually they do fish and chips, seaside, uh, but they also fry weird things. Like in Scotland, they fry mass bars. You fry sausages, you fry whatever. Uh, what about you're chippy and you, you're getting all these weird things deep fry and to deep serve after your customers, they might hate it or like it, uh, but they might have preferences. Someone might like yucky things. You just have a roulette where you can serve someone something horrible, like what's a horrible fried thing? Fried jalapenos disguised as chocolate. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you get the idea.
0: Yeah, that was good. I like that idea. I also love, I'm American, so we deep fry a lot of things. And we were actually talking about this yesterday at a family get together. One of my nieces is in college and she said that they one of the like dorms next door did like a, a fry night and they, the neighbors, like you would just bring whatever you wanted to fry and they would fry it for you. So like they had all sorts of like desserts and meats and veggies and everything and, I don't know if it's like this over there. I imagine not. But if we go to like a carnival, they'll always have deep fried like Twinkies, Oreos. And then there's almost always at a carnival deep fried alligator and deep fried frog legs.
1: I'm sorry. What, what are deep fried? Are they actually alligators?
0: Yeah, it's actual alligator meat. And it's wow. interesting. Yeah, I I'm very adventurous food-wise. Like, I absolutely love trying new food.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I would totally try fried alligator. It is uh, definitely not common uh, this side of the pond. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting.
0: Yeah, huh. it's not bad.
1: What's the strangest thing you've eaten?
0: Oh boy, I feel bad even seeing it. I was so young, and somebody had like a delicatessen from a, from somewhere out east uh, that was like egg fetus or like
1: a a chicken
0: fetus I know it was so like gross looking and it wasn't bad tasting or anything oh well this is something from China actually I just realized not that I think this was even weirder two things from China my friend had gone there to teach English and she came back and brought back some like treats and the treats were corn flavored candy oh yeah is that normal there
1: uh, it probably depends on where you grew up. It's not exactly normal, but I've had some when I was little. Kind of liked them.
0: Yeah, it was really yeah. weird because, like, corn isn't uh, something we do. <laughs> like, we eat corn, but not f- flavor not- our stuff, you know? like uh, And then chicken feet.
1: Oh, yeah. That's pretty yeah. common. It's uh, common in dim sum as well, which is sort of right from where I'm from. Uh, of oh, course. Cool. So- yeah. I actually don't like chicken feet. I just like to get the record straight. But uh, <laughs> if you like it?
0: <laughs> I thought it was okay. Like, I didn't think it was amazing by any means. It was weird to have like, you know, the nail on there, the little claw.
1: Yeah, I can see that. That would be a bit weird if you're not used to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. so that was like really strange for me.
1: I bet. Oh, this, this is almost like, a. this reminds me of the food challenger survivor. I was scrolling through your old podcast uh, yesterday, just to remind myself. And I was like, Oh yeah, the one we had peachy on it was, I was super excited about it. So yeah. now that you mentioning weird foods, totally doing a callback to survivor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So I think that was one of our early interactions was on Mike Tanner's, uh, discord and we were i said like oh i'm really excited like i have this episode with pg and you are like oh i'm really excited about that because that's like you know somebody who looks like me like somebody representing me on on tv
1: oh yeah that was yeah you should have seen me i was literally like smiling in real life as i saw that i'm like oh my god this is like a dream come true like this (laughs) random dude on the discord server talks to pg law like (laughs) a tv hero when i was a child when it aired so
0: yeah Yeah. so she is super nice
1: oh yeah she she seems super nice it's weird what brings people together isn't it board games and survivor obviously
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it's not even that like survivor is like big board games like they're just playing social deduction games and sometimes even like literal giant versions of board games
1: that's very true, very true. I've always wondered how I'll do it in survivor puzzles. I think the actual answer is horribly, but uh it always looks so much easier when you're on TV, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you know, I grew up Mormon, and so like for our activities, we uh, would do a lot of the times they would like do these awesome survivor challenges. They'd take like whatever was going on there and they would recreate it. Uh, and so that was always like a fun thing. Uh, definitely challenging but also I was pretty young so like you've got a lot more energy <laughs> and you can, yeah, yeah like you've eaten and you're you're well fed and and everything like it's not like survivor where you're like hot miserable hungry thirsty and and have to hike to the challenge and then you have to do the challenge it's like no I just get to do the challenge
1: <laughs> just the fun bit yeah, I uh, really it's more mainstream here uh, in the UK. People do tend to know of it, but it's usually like, "Oh yeah, isn't that thing where they're on an island?" Right? Uh, they're going to oh, talk yeah. about it as much as I want to.
0: <laughs> That's Survivor's not big in the UK. Uh,
1: not as big, I think. I think in oh. its heyday, it might have been shown, but yeah, people tend not to know much about it, or like there are fewer big fans. I guess I can't even. Uh, Fun fact: I I literally kept, couldn't pay to watch it in the UK. Because so over lockdown, I wanted to like do a revision, and I was like going online to try and see if I could just you know actually buy it um, on streaming service or somewhere. No, no, it is not available. I tried to play CBS won't oh, let me pay. <laughs> it has to be a US credit card. So uh, oh no, you know, it's hard to
0: watch. Literally, that's sad. Terrible. <laughs>
1: I know. Good shape.
0: But at the same time, that makes me feel a little bit better because sometimes, so often, a TV show will come out, or I'll I'll be like looking up for a TV show and where I can watch it streaming, and it'll be like Netflix UK, and I'm like, ah, like why isn't this available here? Like, and sometimes you guys get them like really soon after they air, they'll just like go to Netflix or something, or they're available to you, which makes sense because it's like it's an American show they want to make it available to other countries. So it goes kind of quick there, but, but it's also like, but I want to watch it.
1: <laughs> Two-way street. Two-way street.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got wayside tracked on ridiculous theme.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. completely skipped over that. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, <dear. laughs> I mean, you had your deep frying idea. I thought that was a fun, ridiculous theme, like deep frying you could even, I mean, to tie it into your game, make it alien themed where it's like maybe aliens observe humans deep frying things. And so they like take over Earth and they start like deep frying everything like stereos and computers, you know, like.
1: Yeah, they're trying to mimic us, but they're doing it wrong. They're like, why don't you want to eat my fried paint bottle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: really funny.
1: <laughs> maybe you can do a, a now, I'm now thinking of a different one where it's almost like a, you're an alien on Earth but you're one of the list people but you have to disguise yourself but you don't know what's normal so maybe you get like little secret missions of like tr- you have to try and do something that's really weird but get away with it like serving deep fried tin cans uh, <laughs> and the, the humans at the table are trying to find out who the lizards are and everybody's doing these weird things and you're trying to look for a, a gap in there disguise yeah okay. could be men in black oh there you go
0: <laughs> i like that idea that's a really fun one yeah. and plus men in black i love men in black exactly i had one that was based on aliens like that you were housing an alien kind of like elliot in et and the government would come and like just search the house and you had to, like, disguise the alien or, like, try to get them to fit in. So sort of a similar deal there. Uh, But it was, like, a co-op game where you're, like, trying to...
1: That's a cool idea. I've seen a theme here where I clearly want to compete in my games and you just want to play together nicely.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What
1: about us?
0: (laughs) Generally, I like co-op games, but I also love competing. I just... Like, especially when you're introducing somebody to the board gaming world, like you don't necessarily want to compete with them because you don't want them to feel bad if they lose or like...
1: Yeah, no, fair enough. Co-op definitely has its pluses. I also love Spirit Island, so...
0: Yeah, I see it right there. (laughs) I've never gotten to play that one co-op, though.
1: Only single player. Well, sometimes. I think the trick for me with Spirit Island is that it is... Definitely a bit, quite a bit to get around your head because you have to try abilities. You have to learn the flow of the things and there are quite a lot of words to learn. So I also sometimes find it hard to get to the table with friends, especially because I I have a really bad habit of quarterbacking and I know I do that, but (laughs) it it will just come out sometimes and I know it's not fun for them and it makes me really self-conscious. So you got to pick the right people.
0: Yeah, I could see in a way though, spirit island i wonder if it tackles the quarterbacking a little bit by having such different spirits and so like it's hard to be 100 percent familiar with each spirit and what they do
1: it definitely does i think it's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite co-ops because quite often co-ops feel like you could have played it alone uh and i i hate that fe- getting that feeling of get feeling like it's split out for the sake of it yeah
0: so oh yeah absolutely uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute blast. Why don't you plug your stuff?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Riley. Really. It's been really fun. If you want to find out more about Kick of Doom, you can get me on Twitter or Instagram at Doom Game. Uh, it's the same on both. Uh, there's also email address and a website on there. Follow us and uh, there'll be updates about the game. There'll be kick-related stuff. And uh, when we're there, there'll be stuff about our awesome Kickstarter. So thanks for having me again.
0: Thank you so much for listening. It was so fun to get to know Pearl better and and play her game at Protocon Online. Speaking of Protocon Online, tickets for 2022 in-person event are on sale. Yeah, that's right. You can come as a designer. You can come as a player. You can just come and play games. Tickets for kids are free, so anyone under 18... And there are even slots for like youth designers, which I think is really, really cool. I'm actually going to do an interview with two of the people heading it up, which would be David Gonzalez from Fantasy Realm Games and Jeff Beck, Uproarious Games. Tickets for designers have been going fairly quickly, which I'm very excited to see. I think they've sold out of the triple time slots Uh, So there's still double time slots and single time slots that you can sign up for if you're a designer. So get on that. It's just down the street from me here in Utah, January 28th and 29th. 28th is mainly like a designer thing, but there will be open gaming. So I don't think there's any reason you couldn't go to that. Don't hold me to that. We'll talk to David and Jeff when they're on the show and find out for sure. Real quick, I'll go through, We I think that two of our guests, and I apologize if more, and I'm forgetting anybody, have Kickstarters that are live. Last week, Kyle launched Flee the Dungeon, which I'm backing, I'm really excited for. I think it looks cool. Always happy to support new designers, especially when the game looks great. Another one, Fabricio Liotti. he... Launched Hyper Wars, and I am so excited for that. It looks like a good, fast paced game. You could play a couple hands or have it be like your warm up game. I think those types of games are just so fun because it gets people's energy up. Uh, Back when I, I know I said this on the interview with him, but back when I played in a band, sometimes we had to play like our fun song, our silly song that loosened us up so that the rest of the show we could be relaxed and having fun and in that fun mode. And and I think these types of quick, fast-paced games are that. Plus, cyberpunk. Come on. Need more of those. Oh, you know what? One more. And this one isn't Kickstarter, but Ian from Nerdvana Games actually worked on a Bunkers and Badasses module which is like an expansion for a role-playing game. So he did that, and it is a part of the like collector's edition for Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. So if you go to, like, I think it's on GameStop. I, I bought it. Of course I did. I'm a giant Borderlands nerd, and I had to just get it. I, I mean, one of the big reasons I got it was just to get this module which I am so so excited about so you can go on GameStop and pre-order that uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands Collector's Edition and it comes with some other fun stuff but really this module by Ian Moss and the team is gonna be the highlight oh I'm so excited maybe I'll have him back on when it gets a little closer and we can just talk a little bit about that I don't normally talk about next week, but oh my goodness, I am so excited for next week's episode. We recorded it uh, like two weeks ago, and it is huge. I will announce it right now. I got together a couple of podcasters to play this game that I played at Protocon Online. And the game is like a Victorian age dating game game where you're sending letters to potential suitors and it sounds I don't I I will never ever be able to make this sound as, as amazing as it is but it just led to like so much fun conversation so much fun Banter and little flirting and a little, you know, joking and, and ribbing. It was just, ah, so, so good. So, that game Persuasion is by Katie Allred. And then I had Phil and Mark from Organized Fun. I had Tim and Jen from Board Game Hot Takes. I had David Spira from Reality Escape Pod and Manda from Room Escape Divas. It was such a fun group. And I am so excited for you all to hear it. It's, a, it's going to be kind of an homage to Organize Fun's podcast, which if you haven't heard them, absolutely excellent format. They talk about a game and they'll cut in clips of them playing the game. And it's, it's just fun. It's fun to hear what they're talking about. So I, I tried to sort of mimic that with their permission, of course. They're on there. Yeah, so I am just so excited for you to get to hear that next week. If you enjoy the show, leave a review. That would be most excellent. I would appreciate it. Or just let me know. Just be like, at, at nerd out with us on Twitter. You're doing a great job. Email me, show at gmail.com. And be like, hey, this didn't suck all the way. That's so flattering. Thank you. If you really, really love it and you think other people would enjoy it, recommend it to your friends, your family, whoever. I would super appreciate that. And if you, if you hate somebody and you hate this podcast, go recommend it to your enemies so that you can be like, ha ha ha, wasted their time. Thank you so much for listening. And remember until next week, keep nerding out.